Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. Hello, podcast listeners. How are you doing? Today, I want to talk about holidays, alcohol, parties, too many cookies, basic holiday recovery advice for binge eating and bulimia recovery, and what to do during those very common situations. Oh, and triggering people, people that don't respect your boundaries. I want to talk about all of it, just general overview. And I debated whether or not to do an episode like this. Around the holidays, I think it's the perfect opportunity to be reflective and jump into the New Year's energy and reflect over the year and talk about your goals and all that sort of stuff. But before Christmas and before Hanukkah and before all the other holidays that are going on, I just wanted to give you guys some sort of clip um, and episode that you can hold on to remembering intentions you need to have throughout the holidays based on the conversations I've been having recently with clients on how to prepare. Um, And even though I've done many, many Christmas episodes and many, many holiday episodes about what to do, I just think a refreshing eye and talking about it again, repetition is key, will be helpful. But before we get started, I do want to say a few things. One, I've been talking to many of you guys on consults for the waitlist for my new group coaching program. For those of you that don't know, I am creating a new eight-week group coaching program. I'm closing the old one January 2nd, and there's many reasons why I'm doing that, but mainly to just correct a lot of the things I saw in the old program, even though it's helping people. I just think this is going to be a much better format and keep everyone that's in the program accountable and on top of things and not lost and just straightforward and get them the results they need and a shorter time frame and also um, in a more thorough way. But it's been really great to talk with a lot of you guys and confirm that's that's works well. A lot of people that are saying yes are like, this is what I've been looking for. I can't afford the private coaching, but also the the group that you did have before. It was great. It just and it was low cost. But what I did is I just kind of signed up and then I didn't participate as actively as I would have liked. I wasn't quite sure where to start, even though there was a lot of good content. So that's what I'm recreating. Um, and it's just it's really cool. So and it's great to get to know you. And what I found interesting too is almost every person on the group. And they mentioned to me at some point about my purging episode and the things I've said about purging, how purging creates the binging and how much that resonated with all of you. And it's interesting that things every year, there's a couple of episodes that I do where the advice just hits, it just resonates with people. And that seems to be the one the episode of purging people absolutely love. So that's been good to see. Uh, But if you are interested in that new eight-week group coaching program, it is limited to 20 people per eight weeks. And the first program is starting January 2nd. Early enrollment starts today, the 15th of Friday. And I'm actually offering a special discount for people that enroll before the 22nd. So the program for eight weeks is $800, $100 a week, probably like I've been saying before, probably less than what you'd spend on binging food throughout the week or just about. And then, um, I am offering until the 22nd the ability to pay $6.99 instead for the whole um, eight weeks. I don't know if I'll do that again. I'm just testing it out. I am also offering a new payment service. I partnered up with Afterpay. Kajabi offers that now. So you can use Afterpay to pay in installments and their third party, I won't be handling it. But I'm trying to make it so even though it is more of an upfront cost, people can have flexible payment means um, because I know that that's not always accessible. And uh, I know that technically it's pretty affordable because it's what you'd spend on a binge weekly, but still that's kind of scary for people. And I honestly think 
And when it comes to investing, a lot of times people, if they, sometimes you just don't have the money and that makes sense. That's, you don't need to, you don't need to feel bad about that. But when you do have the money, but you're scared to invest, it's because you're worried that you're going to invest more money and it's still not going to work. And that's what I find people are most scared of when it comes to investing that sort of money. And so if you do want to join, uh, you're more than welcome to book a, book a consult on my website. But just know when you're thinking about, do I want to invest this? I'm kind of scared that I'll fail again. Um, I will do my best in that program to give you all the information you need to recover. I will check in. I will come find you if I don't hear from you in the program throughout those eight weeks. I want it to be very hands-on. But that being said, think about, okay, if you have invested money in programs and stuff in the for, in the past, what didn't work about those things? And how can you show up differently to get your money's worth? What do you need to do differently when you invest in this program rather than just throwing money at it that will make it work for you? Um, did you need to schedule time to participate in the recovery process? Um, did you just kind of buy it and then hope that it would do the work itself? Like, what do you need to do differently this time? So I just think that's important when you're thinking about investing any sort of money. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about is some stupid chocolate. So this is totally not about holidays, but it is just a funny story that I thought I'd, I'd uh, share with you guys. Yesterday, I bought, I had to go to the grocery store because um, I was really, like my fridge was looking pretty lean and I went to the grocery store and I wanted some chocolate. And usually I buy sometimes the Chocolove that we have here. It's actually a local Colorado company and, or I really like the Lint chocolate, um, the 70% dark. That's the, that's the stuff. It's like just dark enough, but just sweet enough and rich enough. Oh, so good. But today I was looking at it and I saw this, this, um, I don't have it anymore because I threw it out. So stupid. Um, this 30% fewer calorie chocolate. And I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes it's good to have a healthier alternative. Chocolate's not that bad, but you know, whatever, let's try it. So I grabbed it and I had some yesterday and my stomach was having an awful time, just terrible. And I was thinking like, what did I eat? I had my normal vegetables. I had some popcorn. I had a banana and oats and peanut butter. I don't understand why I'm having such a horrible time. And then I realized, oh, I had some of that chocolate. And I was like, I didn't even check the ingredient list. And I looked and it was like, 15 or 18 grams of sugar alcohol. And I was like, this is so fucking stupid. This is why you don't buy these things. Because now I just, my stomach is just bloated to no no end. And I'm just going to be gassy the whole day because of that stupid freaking chocolate. I was like, I would have much rather have had higher calorie delicious because not only did it fuck up my stomach, but it was tasted terrible. I was like, I don't think I want to eat the rest of this. This is awful. This is like chalky dirt that maybe tastes a little bit sweet. This is disgusting. I'd rather, for only 30% fewer calories, it was like, I'd rather just have the full fat, full sugar chocolate and just eat a few pieces in, in peace and not have my stomach be debilitating the rest of the day. Thank you very much. And it's just funny. Like I love smart sweets, um, if for an alternative to sugary candy and I'm all for like, if you want a treat of some sugary candy, have some, but I do like sometimes those healthy alternatives to have on hand. If I'm going to go out, um, or if I'm going to indulge, I'd rather have it out like, um, a real nice artisan ice cream thing. Or I'm a big fan of when I go to a cafe to work, I'm going to have like a really nice, beautifully handcrafted, tasty croissant and that sort of stuff. But sometimes when you're home and you want a sweet treat and you just, but you still want to kind of keep your sugar levels at bay and that sort of stuff. They're a good alternative. Smart sweets are bad, are, are not bad, but 
stuff like this where they pump it up with sugar alcohols and other additives that make you just in pain the rest of the day. It's like that wasn't worth it and I'd rather just have the real thing. And it just reminded me again of all the bullshit diets I did in the past and all the stupid low-cal things I had and why sometimes just having the real thing is so much better and it's worth the wait or whatever you want to do. So I don't know. This is a funny story and a good reminder of why you don't always have those low-calorie things because you might pay for them in other ways. And I was pay paying for them with discomfort. And you know what? It was also interesting now that I'm putting it together is that my mood just got increasingly worse that day. Like I felt really, I struggle with depression sometimes. I struggle with like feeling low and like it was one of those days where I felt really low and I am doing a lot right now, taking a lot of calls, doing a lot of work, that sort of stuff. But I was feeling a bit socially overwhelmed, but I think also just my gut being extremely off may have contributed to that low mood, which is something you don't think about. You think it's just a physical thing, but it really does affect your mental health too. When your stomach or um, dig whole digestive tract is feeling off, that's going to affect you on an emotional and mental level too, uh, which is, I think, sometimes more important than the physical, um, even though they're directly correlated, right? So really interesting stuff. But anyway, now that I've ranted for... Um, eight minutes and we haven't even gotten to the podcast. Let's talk about holiday stuff. So the biggest thing that I'm hearing a lot actually isn't about the cookies, isn't about all of the treats that's going to be around. It's about the alcohol. And um, a lot of people are discussing with me like uh, that they want to drink more during the holidays or that they know they shouldn't drink, that sort of stuff, but they, they can't help but say no. And here's my best advice for alcohol, um, depending on where you're at. So if you are someone who you if you have one drop of alcohol and you binge drink, it's probably best just to take a break from alcohol and to not have it uh, for an extended period of time. And I think everyone is better off without alcohol, honestly. Like I went to a party last night and it was fine, but it was midweek, you know, and everyone was having, it was at a brewery and it was a game night sort of thing. And I was grateful to be invited, but I didn't have alcohol like everyone else. Cause I just, I'm like, I have to be up early. I have to do work. I have to be present and alcohol for me having it on a more regular basis during the weekday. It just messes with me. I don't feel as good when I'm having drugs or alcohol regularly uh, and I'm tired and fatigued. And for me to be the person I want to be, I just can't be indulging in that. I don't want to be indulging in that. And then already having my own mental health issues, drugs and alcohol just contribute to that significantly. So it's like, why do it? But I, getting back to the main point, I think most of the time the answer is if you're like wondering why you should wondering if you should drink or not drink during the holidays you first have to kind of question okay why are you asking that question clearly there's a problem like some sort of issue some sort of hesitancy you have with alcohol and the most common thing i see is that with alcohol minus the severely addicted people is that when they have alcohol they're more likely to um do damaging things to themselves uh, and uh usually binge and or purge or significantly overeat which may lead to a binge and purge the next day as a hangover result or just not feeling as motivated in recovery and that's kind of a chain reaction um and then alcohol in itself is just not healthy for you um in any capacity and i think i'm so glad that that, that myth is being busted now like oh one glass of wine a day is good for you. No, it's not. It's, it's just not. <laughs> it's like not a big surprise, but people just want so desperately to think that some alcohol is, is okay. But um, yeah, you have to wonder why you're asking that question. And then I'd, I'd ask you if we were on a coaching call, I'd be like, okay, well, if you do decide to have alcohol during the holidays, what are the consequences going to be? And sometimes the consequences aren't that bad and they're worth it to you. Like when I do have alcohol, I weigh the pros and cons and I decide, yeah, it's worth it to me or no, it's not worth it to me. Last night, 
night was not worth it to me to have alcohol. Um, I think the last time I had alcohol was at a uh, work party for a friend um, a few weeks ago, and I decided to indulge in alcohol then. It was totally worth it. It was fun. It was like a very rare, fun occasion, and I didn't have anywhere to be the next day. That was good. So think about what are the consequences of you indulging in alcohol, not from a shame aspect of just literally what happens when you have alcohol. Be be brutally honest with yourself. It's not about you. It's just about what happens. And then how often do you want those consequences to occur? And when are those consequences worth it to you? And I think it's also truly important to review what is alcohol actually offering you? And for me, alcohol offers me a short buzz, makes me feel good temporarily, but then it's often followed by a pretty deep hangover, even if I don't have that much. So it's kind of tentatively walking the benefit line. Is it really that good? Um, I was talking to a client who uh, she formerly struggled with um, alcohol. She was two years sober. Now she's struggling again. Um, we're talking about her returning to AA because she knows that program works for her, but also that she is feeling resistant to wanting to give up alcohol during the holidays. And um, the main reason is that she thinks that it makes her feel better and takes away social anxiety, all that sort of stuff. And I'd say in some ways that's true, but the problem with alcohol is it never really allows you to learn how to handle social anxiety or have fun without alcohol. And I also question, is alcohol really that fun? Does it make you feel that much better? Um, Or is it very shortly lived and then just creates a need for more alcohol because you're feeling with the withdrawals from it or you feel the low that's followed by alcohol? I forget what I was listening to the months and months ago, earlier this year, I think, about just having one glass of alcohol throughout the week and how it impacts you. It's just wild. Um, So I really, like for me, the consequences of alcohol are severe. For some other people, they don't think the consequences are that bad. But I wonder too, if I took those people and I had them go a month without drinking, just removed all of those things, if they'd actually feel significantly better and they're just tolerating the, tolerating the discomfort of having alcohol regularly in their life all the time and they are so used to it, they don't even recognize how much better their life could be. Uh, it's kind of like people that are lactose intolerant but don't realize it. They're like, yeah, every time I eat cheese, I just have um, tons of gas and uh, discomfort and um, diarrhea. But, you know, that's just what happens when you have cheese, right? And they're like, no, that's not just what happens when you have cheese. You have a severe problem. Like you are hardcore lactose intolerant. You should not be having cheese on a regular basis. You don't have to be suffering like this. But people just think that's the way it lives. And then when they have a taste of feeling better, that's what happened with me way earlier in the beginning of the year of, oh, I feel so much better, so much more alert, have so much more clarity, so much more functional without alcohol and so much less depressed without alcohol on a regular basis. I thought alcohol was making me feel better, but really it was just creating more of the depression and the agitation and the anxiety. I don't want to have this regularly at all, but I wasn't able to see that till I got rid of it for a significant amount of time. So I don't know if that really helped or not with the holiday perspective. I just, you know, my opinions on alcohol is it should be consumed very, 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 very rarely, if at all. But if you are going to have it, really weigh the consequences, weigh the, the pros, see if it adds up. And then I'd say, if you're going to indulge in alcohol, do it consciously and make sure that every time you're doing it, you understand what consequences you're accepting. Sometimes when I have alcohol, every time I have alcohol, I'm more likely to overeat. I cannot control myself as well when I'm on drugs or alcohol. Like if I am going to get high or I'm going to drink, both those things, I know for sure I'm going to overeat. <laughs> and like, it's not something I've been able to navigate. So for me, I'd rather just not have those substances on a regular basis because I don't want to be overeating all the time and 
crazy amounts, right? I don't binge, but I definitely overeat a lot when I have those things. But when I do have alcohol, I'm like, I'm okay with doing this today. I'm okay with having this in my life today, but not on a regular basis. So if you know you're more likely to binge and purge or more likely to hardcore overeat when you have alcohol, um, I would really question why I have alcohol at all if you're vulnerable to binging and purging. But if you're just going to overeat, you know, question when is that okay? When is it not? And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. You have to ultimately decide. And then if you are struggling deeply with alcohol, like you, it's ruining your life. Like it's, you're having blackouts and there's severe health issues and um, other things going on. Seek help from a support group and get professional help on it. This is like, it's a serious thing. It's not just, oh, you struggle with alcohol. Like it's just too common in our society that alcohol and other drugs are are just, oh, this is what we do. Um, and it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. Go to AA, go to some sort of recovery addiction program. Um, don't let that sit. That's very important and you don't have to live like this. Um, so yeah. Anyways, that's like a weird dark turn, but I have some sort of thorn about alcohol for sure. Probably because I struggle with it myself quite a bit. That's why. And then I see people all the time, like drinking alcohol and then wondering why they feel so terrible and like feeling like they can't, they have no motivation. And I'm like, stop drinking the alcohol, you know, get some help. It's not that I think they're lazy. I'm just like, you need help. You need to stop. So that's why I feel passionately about it because I see it ruin a lot of lives basically. Um, and that's heartbreaking at the end of the day. Okay. The other thing I want to talk about before we jump into like the food stuff is triggering people. And I just got off a client call and actually let me go to the client call real quick, meaning let me go to the notes that I took. For those of you guys that don't know, when with clients, I take very extensive notes and then I send them emails afterwards of the notes and goals. But this client, side note, her win for today was she said, for the first time, I could see what my life could be like if I didn't have these worries. And she's just been making, she's been making so many changes lately and she's starting to see that her life can be different and that that's possible for her. And that's such an exciting moment for me when clients, they get a taste of, if I don't do these things, things are better. And it, it's actually realistic for me to do these things. And that's just, uh, it's so, such a good moment when she said that. I was really happy about it. But anyway, um, we were talking about triggering family with her and just, she's constantly in the middle. And I see this happen a lot with moms. Um, of course, uh, other people take that on too, but I, I just think it's a common role that moms fall into in particular where they're taking care of the kids. They're typically taking care of their husbands or partners. And they are also taking care of relatives needs and trying to cater towards everyone else. And they're constantly putting themselves on the back burner if doing anything with themselves at all. And I was telling this person, she was talking about all the different arguments she's having with people and trying to people please everyone and trying to like make everyone happy. And she's like, I don't have the bandwidth to deal with all these things. Like I'm dealing with my own food issues and all this other stuff. And then I, on top of it, everyone needs things for me. And she's trying to communicate that with these people. And I told her, you know, maybe you're just telling you have very valid reasons why you can't help and why it's unreasonable for them to expect these things of you but you're talking to people that aren't listening or don't have the capability to understand it um and that sucks especially it feels very invalidating uh like you should just cater towards them but maybe instead of trying to argue with them instead of trying to part participate and convince them of why they need to stop behaving the way they need to behave and why they need to not expect these things of you you can just say no and at the very least not engage or not participate in the arguments anymore this is something i had to learn a lot this year um with boundaries is that some people 
No matter how many times you tell them something, no matter how many times you say no or that you don't want that or or um, that you don't want to engage, they're not going to listen for various reasons. Sometimes it's sinister, sometimes it's not. But there are some people where you're just, your words, they're falling on deaf ears, right? They deaf, deaf, oh my goodness. They're falling on deaf ears. Uh, they just don't have the capacity or they don't want to or they just want you to do what they want right and maybe they feel very justified in their reasons but you can't control other people all you can control is you at the end of the day so for this person i said what if you have very strong boundaries in the sense of when they bring up these issues that you don't have the capacity or want to deal with or really need to have the responsibility to solve that you just tell them respectfully i'm not doing this right now i'm don't i can't change it it is what it is this is the situation. I don't want to talk about it. And then not engage. And if they keep pushing those boundaries, then you leave in some capacity or remove yourself. You don't have to have a big dramatic outburst or reaction or shout at them. You can just remove yourself from the situation, walk away for a little bit, put on soundproof headphones, or just go do something else for a little while in the house. Which I know, again, that's one of the hardest parts when someone's, especially someone that's triggering you, you want to argue, you want to tell them all the reasons that they're wrong, or you want to um, just make it easy for them and just cater to what they want, but you will feel a lot better standing up for yourself at the end of the day. Another cl former client of mine texted me this morning, or was it yesterday? She's in the UK. So she was like, I'm going to a Christmas party this week. And I am reminding myself that no is a full sentence. And I was like, yes, exactly. And I told her like, you're going to have to deal with sitting in the discomfort of just simply saying no to someone and watching their brains work overtime to wait for the justification you have for you're saying no, and you just not offering anything. And it'd be highly uncomfortable until they leave right? <laughs> Until they just let it go. And it's going to be super uh, intense and super uncomfortable, but then very, very empowering to do that. So I'd say for triggering family members, of course, you can, like, depending on the level of the family member, some people are abusive and some people just push and push and push. And then if that's the case, you have to question, do you want to spend time with them? Is it really an obligation to spend time with them or can you just not see them at all? At all? But if you are deciding to see triggering family members or people that are pushing your boundaries or holiday parties or whatever, then you need to know when you go in there, what do you feel like engaging in? What do you not want to engage in and why? And then what do you want to say as a one-line response to these people? And um, if they don't respect your boundaries, what do you want to do? And it might be worthwhile writing it out, rehearsing it in the mirror, especially for you people pleasers out there. Um, I have to do this a lot with the things that I say. I don't do it for the podcast as much anymore, but in the beginning, um, trying to put myself out there and then also saying no to family members. And this year, like separating myself from... Um, uh, my ex, there's a lot of things that I had to rehearse standing up for myself for and write them out and like have these planned lines of like, this is what I'm going to do and this is why I'm doing it. And then I'd still struggle a little bit. So don't feel silly about writing them out and having a game plan. Um, we use these skills for school and then we think, or in our job, but we think they don't apply to our personal life. They're actually very useful in our personal life. So that's what I say about family members. Again, not in your situation. And luckily, my family members are pretty, pretty okay. You know, sometimes they can be a bit triggering, but they mean well, they're not out to get me, um, especially now in my current life. Uh, but if you have that, uh, that's the advice I would give. Um, okay, then let's go back to the podcast notes because I went to the client notes. I was talking with someone and if you look at my notes on my, that's where I like write all of my content is in the notes app and I have it organized into so many different folders. I'm like, there's just so much stuff. I really need to have someone go through it for me. Um, let's see. 
Um, okay, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the overabundance of foods and the overabundance of food and especially rich, decadent, delicious food that has some rarity to it. It's scarce in the sense that you don't get it all the time and that sort of stuff and how to prepare and handle it. I think the biggest thing that I've said a million times, I'm going to say it again, just calm down. It's important, um, especially for people listening to this for the first time, eat enough inconsistently. I actually asked chat GPT today because I was curious about um, what it would advise people for bulimia recovery. And it said it over and over again. It's like, eat enough and eat three meals a day plus snacks, like feed yourself properly. And I was like, good job, chat GPT. Maybe I'll do an episode on that of like analyzing what chat GPT gives for recovery advice. But anyways, um, eat enough and eat consistently and fuel yourself with some good food. So for example, um, to what I do uh, during the week, honestly, how I find balance a lot of times is while I'm at home, I typically have pretty standard whole foods and have staples that I know fuel me and make me feel good. But when I'm out, I like to treat myself and indulge and have something that's really fun or tasty, like like I was saying, the croissants um, that I enjoy or the pastries that I have occasionally or like an artisan ice cream or some really good ramen, like all really tasty treats. Um, but I, I make sure that I feed myself properly first. And so everything's not banking on that meal. And I also feel well satiated and I'm not starving and I'm not feeling like this is the only opportunity to get food or calories. You just, when you feed yourself adequately and you feed yourself consistently, not only do you build this abundance with food, but then you just have much less of an excuse and an urgency and a desire to binge. And if I could go back and do one thing differently, um, I hate that question because there's many things I do differently, but one big thing I do differently is force myself to have a breakfast instead of waiting a while or like anytime I had a big holiday party, I would try to starve myself before that party and the days leading up to the party. And then I'd freak out at the party and eat everything um, because I wasn't eating or I would still starve myself at the party. And then after the party, I'd have all the leftovers when everyone went to bed or I would go out and get like food from 7-Eleven that I shouldn't have gotten, right? Rather than just eating what I really wanted at the party. So front load your calories eat enough and eat consistently and fill yourself with some good food. It's not that you, and what I mean by good food is whole foods. Like for lunch today, I had some uh, sauteed kale and broccoli and onions with Parmesan cheese and, and a few eggs on the side. And it was really hearty, delicious and tasty. And then I had a banana and peanut butter earlier, like whole satiating foods. And it's not that you can't have foods that are more processed, but I'd say prioritize adding in more whole foods rather than taking away things. And once you've got your baseline nutrients met, then enjoy a little bit and indulge, but don't make the primary source of your calories be cookies. Now, on the flip side, some days, I, I know when I go home, there's going to be at least one day where I realize all I've really eaten that day are cookies and you feel terrible after that day. You just don't feel very good. And it happens on accident. It's unintentional. But at that, if I were bulimic still or binge eating still, I would have probably panicked in that moment and been like, well... Oh, we've had our cookies today. We might as well keep on going. We might as well binge and purge. In that moment, like accept where you're at, but then it might be useful to just make yourself like some hot food with vegetables and make you feel good and some nice tea and then go take a shower because you probably feel pretty gross and then go for a walk to kind of reset things or go for a walk and then take a shower. But it's okay to overindulge a little bit and not have this perfect diet. And that's maybe another advice I'd give if you're surrounded by holiday foods all the time is like, don't expect it to be perfect. I actually forgot to mention this in the beginning of the podcast. Um, I'm opening up my 
Thanksgiving workshop again for the holiday season. It's just going to be open. It's free and it's about Thanksgiving, but it will, it's pretty relevant to holidays in general, any sort of holiday, no matter what you celebrate. Um, so you can check that out on my website, but a big thing I talked about in there was that you need to have realistic expectations and expecting yourself to eat perfect is going to make you try to align and uh, to this unrealistic diet and also overthink all your food decisions, which is going to make you more likely to overeat or binge and purge because you feel like at some point when you haven't eaten perfectly, then you're suddenly going to binge and purge because why not? You already ruined everything because you didn't fit that perfect standard. I would go into the day expecting, hey, we're going to have a few cookies. We're going to have a few tasty treats. We're also going to feed ourselves enough so we can't we're not like hyperventilating of the cookies like they're our only source of calories and, and joy in life but just know that we're gonna have a few extra treats and that's cool and something that I think helps me with that mindset and my client today the one I was talking about earlier reminded me of it because she was with alcohol she was saying she said no to several um offerings for alcohol this weekend and the mindset she used was I'm gonna have more alcohol later on I don't need it today And I think that's a really mature mindset to take in with cookies and to take in with like if you do overindulge, knowing that it's not forever, that at some point you're going to be eating healthier again. You're not going to be constantly surrounded by cookies and holiday treats and your mom trying to shove gingerbread in your mouth. Like that's not a common thing that's going to be happening in your life all the time. If it is, I suggest you might change your general lifestyle habits, right? But there's this maturity in knowing that right now is not the most important moment ever. And if it's not perfect, that's not the biggest deal in the world. And having abundance, uh, having an abundance of trust in yourself that in the future, you will make good decisions and you can make good decisions right now. But if you don't make perfect decisions right now, it's not that big of a deal. And I think that's what allows me sometimes if I do overeat or I do have a day where I eat a little bit too much sugar or something like that, I don't, then turn it into a whole fiasco of binging and purging and punishing myself because I know I will go back to it. I trust myself with that. Um, And also on the flip side, when you are having cookies and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get this again. You need to remind yourself, no, that's not true. I can have these again. I can have them in the next hour. I can have them in the next day. Um, I can go home and make them myself again, that sort of stuff. And that brings me to my next thing though, is a little counterintuitive to what I just said, but I think also helpful is it's okay to let things be a little rare, to let them be scarce. I think I talked about this in a podcast recently and then also for sure in the Thanksgiving one and I think also on Instagram. But most foods that you have, you can replicate, but I'm sure there's some foods that depending on like, if you go to this fancy restaurant or it's like something your mom has a secret recipe to, I don't know. There are certain foods that are harder to replicate than others and they're rare. And like, maybe you're having, maybe you have the wildest Christmas cookies ever and they're made by like the special butter from a cow that's in the mountains in in, in a weird, obscure European town that you can't find anywhere else. And the cow died two years ago. So this is the last bit of, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's super rare and you're never going to get that again. But what I am trying to get across is that it's okay to let those things be rare and appreciate the rareness and scarcity of them from a healthy mindset, meaning that sometimes when people think things are scarce, they're like, I have to eat it all right now. But if I was taken to like a luxury retreat right now and I knew I only had 24 hours and I would never get to experience this place again, I would try to take my time and try to just 
every single thing that happened during that day, I would try to be present for and experience and, and stay in gratefulness. Because I've been that person, like when I traveled, um, I lived in Manchester for a year, some of the trips we took, one trip we, we, we visited, I think it was six different countries, and it was exhausting in the span of two weeks. It was too much. I think if I were to do it over again, I would have much rather have spent um, two weeks in two countries or two weeks in just one country and appreciate that country for what it is and take much more time indulging. And so when it comes to scarcity, rather than being like, I'm never going to get it again, I have to consume it as fast and as quickly as possible and as much of it as possible, there's merit to consuming it slowly, appreciating it like fine wine, right? Just smelling it, closing your eyes when you eat it, right? And appreciating the different elements of the flavor and the memories that it brings up and being with loved ones, all that sort of stuff. That's something you can incorporate is appreciating the scarcity and rarity of the moment because that's part of what makes things special too. It's okay for them to be a little bit scarce or rare. Otherwise, you wouldn't appreciate them the same way you're appreciating them now. Um, and another note is outside of food, don't make food the main focus of the holidays, right? I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is they focus too much on what am I going to eat? How am I going to eat? What am I going to do perfectly? How am I going to like indulge in these uh, these cookies mindfully and responsibly and be a good normal eater? But they lack this, this they, they zoom too far into the food and then they forget the people around them. And while food is a part of culture and experiencing joy with others, it's not everything. And a big part of experiencing the holidays is being with loved ones and enjoying your time and 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 resting and recovering from the year and reflecting it and the biggest thing i'm looking forward to i'm going to do two podcasts on it is reflections from the past 2023 year because it was a crazy year for me and then new year's goals and what i want to do and i think this time of year is just so special for checking in with everyone and then seeing what can change and what you what you did accomplish what maybe you struggled with and then what you want to do moving forward and sharing that with other people and your loved ones, I just think that that's a much better way to focus on getting your joy and happiness from rather than just the food. Of course, appreciate the cookies, but that's not the only thing happening. So put put don't put all your focus on the food um, at the end of the day. Fill your life with more than just food and bulimia. That's a big concept I talk about a lot in my old program, I'm talking about my new program, which is make your life bigger than bulimia. And even though sometimes people need to focus hardcore on recovery and food to get those foundations, they sometimes stay too far into that and they forget that they need to start building their life again, that they need to focus on things outside of bulimia in order to fully recover and just let bulimia slowly fade away. Rather, just They're just cutting off the blood supply to bulimia, right? And letting it slowly fade out as their life grows and grows. That's what I'm talking about here. All right. Is there anything else I wanted to talk about for this particular topic? Um, I said alcohol, holiday parties, triggering people and more. Mm, what did I mean by more? <laughs> I should have put better notes. But um, those are my top tips. If you want more direct uh, advice and videos on this, you can check out the free workshop that I did for Thanksgiving. That's going to be my website. It's available. And I don't think there's anything else I have to say about it other than take time to rest and recoup. Oh, that's the other thing I wanted to say is if the holiday time is not so fun for you, it's actually really stressful and lonely and isolating. I just want you to know that you're not alone and you don't have to force yourself to be happy this time of year. And I think that's the holiday times were always kind of hard for me for various reasons that I don't want to go into. I think this year is going to be much better, but, um, it's, it's hard when everyone around you is happy and you feel 
not so happy. And that can be such an isolating experience. It's like you're in the room, but you're not there. Or you can be surrounded by people, but you still feel alone. That's what it's like. And I just want you to know that you're not the only one struggling on this holiday. Like you're not the only one that's sad. Um, and there's some solidarity there, but also that you don't have to be happy. You don't have to force yourself to be grateful for things. If like life is really hitting you from all sides right now, don't gaslight yourself into, I should be grateful. I should be happy. I think there's a lot of uh, good things that can come from having a positive attitude about things and forcing yourself to be grateful in some ways and kind of be like, no, at least I'm alive. At least I'm here. But there's hard stuff going on in the world right now. Like anytime I post anything about um, Israel-Palestine conflict going on, it's just crazy to think, to see the images that are happening there and then people from both sides get upset. And it's just like, that's, it's hard to be happy when that sort of stuff is going on. It's hard to talk about this stuff when that's going on. It's like, yeah, um, eat normally, but people are dying. So and like, it's not stopping. It's not, it's just continuing and it's been continuing for a long time. So I'm just saying that you don't have to be happy and you, you have a, you have a right to be sad. You have a right to um, be upset. You have a right to be angry or you have a right to be stressed because it's also, um, I think financial burdens is a big thing for people this year. And there's this commercialism of like buy as many gifts as possible. And if you're not doing that, if you're not sending out Christmas cards and that sort of stuff, then you're being a bad person. I think something I'm grappling with is year is that um I I had up upheaved my life and like I'm just now stabilizing and living in a new town and stuff but a lot of my friends are sending me cute Christmas cards and they are um maybe like they just seem like they're more established you know and what they're doing and they their lives seem more stable and I'm like I'm just happy that I have an apartment and I have my business is still running and like I'm still I, I'm well and haven't relapsed and that's that's totally valid, but it's kind of like hard when you see other people that seemingly seem ahead of you, but you just got to accept where you're at and like, don't compare yourself, but it's okay to feel a little bit sad or a little bit annoyed sometimes with everyone and their, their lives going on around you is what I'm trying to say. So anyway, that's all I had to say. Um, that's all, that's all I had to say for 37 minutes of talking from Jacqueline. That's all. Um, it's funny. People always told me growing up that I'm such a quiet person and I'm an introvert and, and I am an introvert. I do like a lot of alone time, but it's odd. I have a lot to say when I feel safe to say it, right? Like some people are like, oh, you don't talk a lot. And I'm just thinking, you know, maybe I just don't feel safe talking with you. <laughs> like maybe that's the real thing. So you introverts out there, don't think that you're just like this quiet mouse that can't say anything. Maybe you have a lot of awesome thoughts and opinions and you just haven't had the safe space to, to share it yet. And me having this podcast, I've thought a lot about that. I'm like, wow, I have a lot to say all the time. My brain is constantly brewing with thoughts. I have like hundreds and hundreds of notes on different types of content to make and stuff. So don't, don't let anyone tell you, you introverts are like, well, you're really quiet. You know what I'm just saying? Like, it's like, maybe you're just not the right person to say it to. Okay. All right. <laughs> cool. All right. I'm going to let you guys go here. I don't have any, I feel like I always miss what I should be saying, but thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. I hope it had some touch points in there that helped you. Um, and if it triggered you a little bit, maybe the those are some things you need to work on. And don't forget that if you do want to enroll in, in the new eight-week group coaching program, I have a few people that are about to join, uh, which is exciting, but it's limited to 20 people. So if you want to join, join now, go to my website, get on the wait list, or there should be a link now for early enrollment as well. And you can join before, if you join before the 22nd, you will get $101 off for the full eight weeks. And it's $6.99 for that, $800 after the 22nd. And then once the 20 people have been reached, then it's closed until 
February when I'll reopen enrollment and then another one will start uh, in April, which is kind of crazy. So get in. This is a good opportunity and I think it's going to be a really amazing program. All right. I'll let you guys go. I hope you're doing well and never give up on yourself. Bye.